Hi everyone, it's SJ. I don't have much to say before this episode except that it gets kind of heavy and we end up talking a bit about self-harm and depression. I think it's good stuff but it might not be what you want to hear today or any other day and that's totally cool. If you do want to keep listening though, we talk about millennials and entertaining flies and Peter's awful sense of humour and that's pretty good to listen to. I hope you like it. You sound weird again. Weird in what sense? Oh no, is that a plane? Oh, it must be outside. <laughs> There's not a plane inside my bedroom. <laughs> I know, but like, I feel like you'd be able to hear it. I can, it's very, very faint. Is it loud on your end? Now that I've spent so much time trying to get rid of noise on audio, it's just ruined every audio experience for me. <laughs> I have noticed, we should have talked about this on the warm-up instead of uh, in the main podcast. Instead of you. I have noticed that when I listen to podcasts now, I'm like, that was a nice little edit. Like, that was obviously two different sentences that were merged together, but in a subtle way that I barely noticed. Oh, yeah. Which would suggest it's a bad edit, but it's actually not. Like, it's a really good edit when you're like, oh, that was smooth. That was a tight little edit right there. I watched a movie last night and completely ruined it. So I was like, oh, my God, why did these people not remove the noise from all of this talking? So much noise. Uh, I should have asked you this before we started recording, but what did you want to talk about today? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. There was something that I was thinking of talking about, which we mentioned the other day, about, like, money and class. Yeah, there's also the option of my Kickstarter stuff, which we were talking about talking about. Yeah, that was the other one as well. What do you prefer? I don't know. Uh, The class stuff is more sort of, like, on my mind right now. Cool. Okay, do an intro and then, then we'll get into it. But it depends, like, I don't know, do you want to talk about that? I'm also like, oh, I'm not sure what I could say about that. You've got to make a decision. i got a date coming up with someone I really like. Okay, fine. Sure, that sounds good. Okay, do an intro and we'll get into it. Hello. Welcome to Being Honest With My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Hayward. And my ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. Wow, that's just way too much enthusiasm. How do you feel about class? Oh my god, you! <laughs> like my, my, I hate you. My subtle, clever segue there. I hate you so much. Why? Uh, you're just that was just awful. See, I really love you. I think you're one of the best people ever. Yeah, I was just thinking I'd really like to get a collection of all of the times that I say this is exactly why we're not dating. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that you can do a pretty decent collection of us saying, fuck you to the other person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We sort of do that. We do it both as a joke and then also sometimes seriously. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a common thing among our generation or our friend group or if it's just you and me, but you and I say fuck you to each other a lot. I noticed it because when I try and pull out quotes, I'm like, oh, no, actually, that sounds too aggressive. Yeah. Because I'm like, and I'm like, no, that's not really how that was actually said. Context, context, context. Context, context, context. I don't know. I don't know if that's an our generation thing. Are you a are you a millennial? How does that work? Wait on. Do you mean like as if you weren't a millennial? I'm not a millennial. I'm I'm born outside of the millennial age range. I think you are totally a millennial, aren't you? Fairly sure I'm not. Okay. Millennials are like ninety one to two thousand and two or something, I don't know. I wasn't born then. You're nineteen ninety, aren't you? Nineteen eighty nine. Eighty nine. You're old. You're an old. No, I'm man. not. 
Who are millennials? Super old. It says millennials are born between 1977 and 2000. That is that is an insane gap. That gap makes no sense. I know. That that is like everyone I know is a millennial, and that is definitely not the case. <laughs> okay, I've got an Atlantic article. Is it how to define a millennial? Because there's a really good article about that. It says all of the different age ranges. Okay, millennials, those born in 1982 and approximately the 20 years after. Ah, that's too much. No, but in 2012, they affixed the end point to 2004. So, no, that is us. That's such a massive range, So, if you were born though. in 1982 to 2004, you're a millennial. <laughs> I thought I wasn't a millennial, but uh, there we go. So, it means that kids born in the last 10 years, they don't have a designation. They are not millennials. I read this article. I, I'll have to try to find it for the show notes. But it was a really good article being like, hey, guys, if we define millennial as everyone, it is a meaningless term. Oh, yeah. And so they really broke it down into what is Gen X, what is Gen Y, what is millennial, what is this? And I was just like, okay, that is the one that makes sense to me. And I think under that definition, I was not a millennial. I don't mind being a millennial. It doesn't bother me. I just uh... Well, it says here, Generation X is 1965 to 1984, which is just one year before 1985. Um, generation. <laughs> Does it say that? Does no. it say like in brackets? By the way, 1984 just is just before 1985. Little uh, little no, fun news, newspaper fact for you. Generation Y is it looks like 1975 to 2004, and the millennials that's such is a, 19. That's a ridiculous. I like... know. I don't know. This says this stuff is from the Harvard Center. What the hell is that sound? <laughs> it sounds like okay. You don't you don't have your video on, and it really just sounds like you're pissing all over your desk. <laughs> that is that noise is way too neat to be pissing. It was really like carefully gathered. You know what? I feel like the whole time we were together, I never saw any piss on the seat. So I I just have an idea that you are a very neat urinator. All over the desk, though. You said. Yeah, I mean, just, like, on your desk, yeah. So really precisely everywhere. <laughs> really precisely everywhere. <laughs> so apparently, yeah, millennials are 1982 to 2004. I don't know. I feel like that's useful, useless yeah. as well. Well, I mean, the thing is that technology and society is changing at an accelerated rate. And that's not just me being like, everything's different. I mean, like, genuinely, if you look... if you, I, I read... It must have been Wait But Why. I'm going to say it was definitely Wait But Why because... I feel like everything is wait, but why? But it was this great piece being like, if you look at the difference between 1950 and 1980, it's the same as the difference between 1980 and 1995, which is the same as like 95 to 2002, which is the same as 2002 to 2008. Like it's just shrinking how much society is changing just because of technological advances. Like within five to 10 years, we will have self-driving cars. Yeah. Already you can drive around America in a self-driving car. You can't do it legally, but they've got the technology to the point now where you can just flat out do that. Like, it's safer. It totally works. They just need to, you know, spend years and years making sure that there's no bugs. Because if they release self-driving cars and then one person dies, the whole industry is sunk. <laughs> well, there's this other thing. Oh man, I feel like this is, I feel like this is such a millennial conversation. But um, about like is it about Instagram. No, it's about self-driving cars. How they decide who they're going to kill in an accident, basically. Oh, I don't... Okay, first of all, that's a really interesting conversation. Secondly, how is that a millennial conversation? I just feel like that's the... Now that I now that I think about it, I feel like more than millennials would have that conversation. <laughs> but I feel like that is just such a, like, uh, 
new technology. Ooh, let's think about the philosophical, moral implications of this new technology. That is definitely not a millennial thing. <laughs> oh, it's such a millennial thing. <laughs> nah, it's not really. Uh, I have this issue. I can't remember if I've talked about this with you either on or off the podcast before. I have this real issue with people who are like, new technology... Let's try to work out the worst possible thing you can think about that and then decry the whole thing. Sure. The most extreme example of this, it's, oh my God, it's insane. You know how you can have like microphones that work like telescopes? Like you can hold a microphone up and you get a really pinpointed uh, recording of a conversation a very long way away. You can do that with speakers. So you can have a speaker that if you're like standing to the side of it, you can't hear anything, but you can like pinpoint exactly where the sound goes 200 meters away. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on board. So I saw that article. I think I might have posted it on Facebook or brought it up once. And the immediate response I got was, that should not be allowed because what if someone makes an advertisement, like a billboard where it points to someone on the street, and the person that it points to has schizophrenia and thinks they have voices in their head already, then that person is going to feel like they're crazy and that's not okay. Therefore, ban the technology. Yeah, that's quite a creative... They were dead like, serious, would take, though. No, 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 no. I, I, like, I, that makes some logical sense. I just mean, like, I wonder how long they thought about that before they, they came to like, that point. instantly. That was their immediate reaction. They were like, that shouldn't be allowed because of this. And I was like, holy shit. Like, huh. don't... It's such an edge case. I could think of a bunch of other more common... Like, oh, man, just in the subway in New York, I assume they still do it, people walk around with backpacks with speakers... Like, advertising stuff. Stuff. Buy it now. Stuff, yeah. We sell um, stuff. You need stuff. Come to stuff. I would not want locationally specific sound advertisements. It's not It's not a thing I think I want in my life. Right. But that doesn't mean, like, ban the technology. That means, like, look at legislating that advertising yeah. form. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I have a friend who does this thing where... What's his... I'll, I'll put in a link to his website. It's called, like, Democratic Media, please. Anyway, and he goes to, like, Ad Shell, you know, like, the little billboards in tram stops and stuff. Yeah. And just, like, pastes over them with black paper and puts up, like, some writing about why he's doing that. But then he has people film him do that because he just, like, does it in the middle of the day and hangs around and talks to people and people get really pissed off. <laughs> in the comments or in person? In person. Like, people get really, really confrontational. Fair enough. He is defacing property. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just find it, I find it interesting, particularly because how he goes about it. He's very not aggressive in his approach. Yeah. Because he's sort of like, let's have a conversation about this. And, yeah. Anyway, he's got some videos up online. But he's also... Even, I think he's been to jail over it because he just keeps doing it. Yeah, if, if you repeatedly do a crime, <laughs> you will get arrested. That is a logical Yeah, I know. Of that it action. just makes me, I suppose it makes me think maybe I'm not committed enough to anything that I want to do. I am really, really super committed to many things. That doesn't mean I need to go to jail. It just happens that all the things I'm really committed to are legal. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, you don't have to commit a crime to be committed to something. No, no, no. But, like, if I just think about the fact that I'm afraid of, like, voicing my opinion publicly compared to, like... 
I, I voice my opinion publicly every day and still don't go to jail. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not comparing it to you. I'm just saying like, oh, this person is enough behind what they're doing that they'll do that. Or, you know, maybe they just have different ideas around what going to jail means for them. For me, I just can't ever conceive of believing in something so strongly that I would go to jail for it. Right. Okay. What, what you said was, sense? yeah, what you said was he goes to jail. It makes me feel like I'm not committed to things, uh, which didn't make sense. But no, what you're saying is, yeah, what you said makes a lot more sense. There's stuff that I'm committed enough to that I would go to jail for it. But like what? Like, uh, you know, if, if I was, if, if women became illegal, <laughs> I would very oh, strongly yeah, sure. petition against that and uh, go to protests and do everything in my power to make women legal again. Uh, to use a nonsense example. But there's like nothing now that's happening that you would... Um, I'm pretty... Uh, not not really. I, I just don't think I would... I think I would definitely do more help outside of jail than I would by causing actions that go to jail. Like, I'm very pro-gay rights, and I think gay people in Australia should be able to get married. There's nothing I could do that would take me to jail that would be more useful than staying out of jail. And... Doing something. Yeah, yeah, sure. Although, I suppose... <sighs> that just makes me think of the pussy riot people yep and and how like them going to jail caused such a big big conversation around that so yeah. going to jail was, was part going of the to protest. jail was part of the protest but also was a really effective way of making that a big issue yeah do you know if there's like an election happening in australia yeah it's uh, just been announced there's like 55 50 odd days to go Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing some pretty dumb memes on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> yeah? Yeah, just just dumb stuff. And I'm like, no, no, it's more complex than that, no. Yeah, well, it's. I don't feel like I've been as invested in politics as I am now. Maybe it's a getting older thing? Is that a getting older thing? No, uh, a lot of people become less political as they get older. It's just a difference in what you pay attention to. When you were younger, you were busy on other things. Now you've got more time, for, not, not more time necessarily, but you've got more energy. What it would actually be, now that I think about it for a moment, is it would be your social network. You hang out with more political people, and so you're more politically aware. So I think it's probably a social network thing, but I think it's also like realising how much your life is governed by... That government? sounds stupid. The government? <laughs> 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 and like how that's real world going to affect you yeah this is not a new idea to me now it's starting to make me more anxious especially with all the research and energy you've put into mental health stuff lately and that's super politically motivated like politically driven yeah exactly exactly and that's it makes me like i get much more anxious about politics now than i used to it's funny, I was so, so my partner and his friend Helen, what are you doing? I was making sure my sound was working. Oh, I thought you were just clicking at flies. <laughs> that like that's, again, I can't see your video, but in my brain I was like, that's obviously what he's doing. He's like, <laughs> just forgot that we're recording for a second and he's like, I was going to click at some flies. What does that mean? What is clicking at a fly? Like as in, you know, like maybe if you wanted to either scare off or entertain a fly. <laughs> You could click at them. <laughs> click at a fly. So what was I going to say? What was I talking no, about? Hang on. How, like, first of all, do flies get scared off by clicks? Is that a thing? 
you just like shoot them. You shoot. You don't click at a fly. You just wave your hand at it and shoot it. Secondly, why would I want to entertain a fly? (laughs) Haven't you ever been overwhelmed with the wonder of living creatures, even flies? Nope, (laughs) not flies, definitely. I forget that you're not like that. You're not that kind of person. That is nonsense. Uh, Your partner and his friend Helen? No, no, no. You're not not, like really into nature. No, I'm not not really into nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's true. I can't imagine someone who is really into nature. Being like, oh my god, flies! I gotta entertain them. I gotta, I gotta amuse these flies. It just that makes no sense to me. That is exactly what my boyfriend does. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. He gets so overwhelmed by the beauty of nature that he feels the urge to entertain flies. Yeah, like what? Like he'll be like, hey, little guy, what's going on? Do 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 do. I give you a little piece of something. Yeah, totally. Wow. Okay. I don't get why you think that that's weird. That is the strangest thing. It makes sense when you think about, like, you know, how much of the conversation around how to survive in the the current world is about mindfulness and appreciating what's happening. That (laughs) you might want to... Flies can't be entertained. Flies don't have the mental capacity for entertainment or joy or happiness or sadness. Does he entertain rocks? Hmm... He said that rocks are a harder crowd. <laughs> that actually, that joke worked in more ways than I expected, and I think it was worse for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. Okay, I need to show you this video. There's this American. I, yeah, he's a poet. Um, uh, his name's that Steve. Was so Rogenbach. defensive against nothing. <laughs> There's this video. No, he's a poet, okay? No, he really no, is. No. <laughs> no, I swear he's a fucking poet. Like, I was like, no. yes, I'm going to go to the shops. No, they really are there, SJ. I'm not making the shops up. No, no, yet. no. I was about to say, yeah, he's kind of like a poet. And then I was like, no, 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 he is, he is a poet. So I just, shut up. In the same way as nature is a poet? He's released a bunch of books and he does a bunch of stuff. But he's probably most well known for his videos which are the best ones are like mashed up improvised stuff that he's said with like some really great kind of inspirational move music behind it but he's really into appreciating nature and so yeah oh I, like see if you're listening go I'll put a link into one of the good ones and he's the kind of person that people would a lot of people I can imagine would immediately really dislike but I really like him and when I first watched his stuff I, like, immediately started crying. Every time I watch them, I still do the same thing. But, you know... Why did you cry? Because it was so, like... Transcendent? The one that I'll probably link to just talks about how amazing the universe is, basically. And there's another one um, that's like, is it make good... Make something before you're dead? When I first met you... Yeah. We had both independently just discovered Melody Sheep. So I'm, mm. I'm trying to like I'm trying to comprehend it's why like this would make you cry, and I'm like, okay, it was like Melody Sheep. I kind of get it because Melody Sheep is about the beauty of science and just yeah. Like so the, it's the, like that sheer scope of the universe. And I'm like, I think it must be something like that, but more wanky. Melody Sheep is like this guy who's taken a lot of famous scientists and auto-tuned them into songs. So um, I'll good. put a link to that. They're really good. I remember listening to those was the first thing that I felt like maybe this is similar to a, what a religious experience might feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I suppose I feel kind of similarly about 
Steve Roggenbach's work. Some of them, anyway. They're kind of like that, yeah. But more poetic. I tell you, one of the things that I do for fun is watch documentaries about ants. What? Because I'm, I'm not really a documentary kind of guy. I've watched a bunch, uh, and I'm just, I'd always prefer to watch fiction, except for documentaries about ants. I just love them. That's... Why? I just, ants are fascinating. Ants are just... Okay, so, like, I get that ants are fascinating, but we just had a conversation about how flies are stupid. No, 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 no. Trying to entertain a fly is undeniably stupid. Sure, okay. Learning about ants, I don't put in the same category on any level. Because <laughs> you can't entertain a fly, you can learn about ants. <laughs> sure. Ants, I don't know, I've just been obsessed with them my whole life. I just really love ants. The most recent one I watched was about how some ants are considered super organisms. So you know how your body is made up of a bunch of different cells that do different things? Yeah. Our definition of an organism is basically something that propagates itself, like something that, that can breed and have uh, uh, and have babies that can reproduce. Checks out. Humans do do that. <laughs> and, and flies do that and dogs do that and bees and... Well, I, not bees necessarily. So the thing about ants is that as a species, they don't individually reproduce. They reproduce as a colony. So like in a colony... What? 90% of the ants are infertile. They're unable to reproduce. Yeah. But the colony as a whole can reproduce. And so... What does that mean? So in your body, if we like took some of your cells out and were like, go, make a new person, they couldn't. wouldn't be possible. You could make a new person. You just need a bit of semen in you somewhere. Uh, really just anywhere will do. Gross. <laughs> this is the kind of misinformation that we don't want to spread. <laughs> Guys, don't just put semen anywhere in SJ. That will not be effective like, if your I goal mean, is like... to get a second SJ. <laughs> also, like, just don't do that unless I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Okay. Do you want to uh, put a call out and people can offer semen and you can accept or reject it? No. <laughs> <laughs> So in your body, your individual cells can't reproduce. You need a whole person to make a second person. Sure. Okay. In an ant, like most animals, if you take a dog, you can do something with that dog and make a second dog. Like that's how dogs reproduce. They do something sure. and then they have another one of themselves. As in they, they usually have sex. Correct. Yes. Sex is the typical method by which dogs reproduce. Good okay. job. <laughs> I thought you meant like they do something to it. And no, I was no, no, like, no. Well, Another what? dog will come and have sex with a dog. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. And then you can get a, a new dog out of that. If you take most individual ants, there's nothing that ant can do to make a new ant. Okay. So that's not like by our definition an organism. Organism must be the wrong word. It's not like a standalone Oh, okay. Creature. So they can't reproduce most of them. Yeah. But as a colony, they can create new ants, and, in fact, new colonies. Oh. As well as that, the way ants work is they just have no sense of self at all, obviously. But more than that, like, no ant by itself can survive. A single worker ant will die. A single queen sure. ant will die. You need all of them together in order to have ongoing yeah, life. Yeah, okay, that can okay, that makes sense. And so ants are these incredible superorganisms. You know, this makes me think a lot about what's wrong with the world. I really want to hear how this is the case. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot about what's wrong with the world lately That is not a, a guaranteed method to happiness <laughs> It's not Sort of the opposite in many ways No, no, no I suppose just like cu curious about it Was it deeply depressing? Did you get very sad? 
I do find it quite depressing. Yeah, but yeah, okay, <laughs> so so first of all, I've been reading this book. I'll put up a link to it, but it's the depths something like how we need to rethink the depression epidemic. And it's about depression, but how we need to reframe how we think about depression. But it's coming from like an <laughs> it's evolutionary... It's a title in many ways, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck you. It's coming from like an evolutionary science perspective, looking at why would we evolutionarily speaking develop depression? Like what is the good of that? And one thing they're talking about is they've done some research, not heaps of research because... Not many people want to research this. That shows that people who are depressed, at least mildly depressed, even though I don't like the term mild. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I'm just imagining you at a, like a, a Mexican restaurant and they're like, uh, so look, we have a few different flavor options. You're like, no, shut up. Shut up. I do not want to hear the flavor options. I do well, not like the pigeonhole flavors into different levels of flavor. I want it either flavored or unflavored. And in a sense, isn't everything flavored? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right? <laughs> Take down the walls. Okay, so I'm someone who got... Dis I've been described as having... You know, I actually think that only one person, maybe two people, have said, you have mild depression. Usually psychologists. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something weird that happens with that, right? Because... No depression as an experience is mild and describing things as such can be really invalidating yeah. in a way that is not helpful. But everyone has a really different relationship to their diagnosis. But then when we talk about severity of mental illness, usually that comes back to how much people are engaged in the capitalist economy. Whoa, what? And wait, so that went really Marxist really quickly. So basically when we talk about... I've been thinking about this a lot lately because the mental health system in some ways encourages people to escalate their symptoms as a way of expressing the severity of their symptoms. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're not above a certain point, you can't get certain help. And so you feel pushed to that point. By help, I mean like government assistance. It's not just about certain help, but people taking you seriously. So I think about this a lot because I think about suicide a lot, but I don't act on like a lot of my thoughts, because I know that doing so will really undermine my relationships with people. So for instance, I used to self-harm, but then I got to this point where I really realized that doing so fundamentally changed the kinds of relationships I was in. Like people didn't trust me to leave me alone. And that means you can only have certain types of relationships. Does that make sense? I think so. Is there a link between... This is going to sound really dumb, but I actually don't know. Is there a link between self-harm and suicide? No, not I don't think so. It, it doesn't make sense to me that there would be. There's a lot of conversation around that, but like, obviously they're related, but people talk about them as being like quite, quite different things. Right. And I know some people treat it as like suicide. That's just like self-harm taken to the extreme, whereas for me there's such different, no, different no. things. No, usually there's... They're considered to be, you know, related, obviously, but, like, quite different. I don't want to, like, telling people why people self-harm because, obviously, it's a really personal thing. One of the things that people talk about is that it's actually is a way of trying to express the severity of, like, what's happening. Yeah. And what's difficult is that that gets changed slightly so that then it becomes about people who are self-harming are looking for attention 
are like doing it as a manipulative act. And that's really far from an idea of how we could say that self-harm is like someone who really wants help, you know. And particularly when you look at how we deal with mental health, self-harm actually makes a lot of sense as a method for trying to get assistance because people will take you more seriously. People will be like, hey, holy crap, you are in a lot of pain and I can tell because you're doing this thing. Anyway, I can't remember how we got into that, but (laughs) oh, I was talking about this book. (laughs) (laughs) So this is why I don't like labels in terms of like mild, severe. Oh, and how that uh, relates to capitalist economy. So how we think about whether a mental distress is severe or mild is whether it affects your ability to have a job, have friends, go to blah, 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 but mostly have a job. I was going to say, having friends, I never thought it was a capitalist move. (laughs) We want people to like be able to have healthy relationships, have a job, you know, engage in social activities, rah, 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 but mostly have a job. I mean, it's have a job, but it's also have a job as representing the ability to sustain yourself without assistance. And that's, I'm not saying that that's the correct metric by which to measure a person, but that makes sense. It's not just like have a job so that capitalism can continue. It's sustain yourself because people should, in inverted commas, be self-sustaining. Yeah, I suppose I'm just like, my brain just wants to unpick everything. And it's like, why? (laughs) Why should people be self-sustaining? I mean, like that makes sense in a survival way. I'm not saying this to be callous. I'm just like the, the... the logic behind it, which is sort of my forte, is if someone is self-sustaining, then no one else has to pay for them to exist. If someone is not self-sustaining, someone else has to pay for them to exist. And that would be, uh, you know, in this case, the government, which is a fact. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's an awful thing for someone to be living off the government. I'm saying that is why that is a metric, because if someone is not able to sustain themselves, then the government has to foot the bill. And so that is someone who the government has a vested financial interest in helping. Sure. Yeah. So then it comes back to like people, we have a vested interest in helping people who can't contribute to the capitalist society that we live in, in the way that we want them to. I think my issue is, I just, I'm so, I have, I have many friends who are, I'm not close with particularly, but I see them on Facebook a lot being like, capitalism is the worst. Capitalism is the best. Like it is flat out the best way of running anything because of various reasons that I won't get into now. But this idea that, like, capitalism is the reason mental health care is bad, in a communist society, in a socialist society, it would still make most financial sense to help the people who are not able to go and do their socialist jobs. No, no, no. I'm not even beginning to suggest that I have a better idea. I'm just saying... It's it's not like capitalism is not to blame here. Capitalism just happens to be the system we live in. No matter what system of living you have... It's always going to be the same list of priorities and reasoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I'm not being like, I don't know enough to be like, this is definitely the way that would be better. I'm just saying this is how well-being gets framed. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I think I'm just uh, bristling slightly because you keep saying capitalist in a way that I'm like, that's not related to capitalism at all. Whereas it's, it's like when you talk to certain people and they're like, I'm just going to use a nonsense example because I can't think of a of a real life one from recently. If they're like, this ice cream is awful. What a typical thing about patriarchal society. 
You're like, sure. I mean, yes, we do live in a patriarchal society, and yes, the ice cream is awful, but bringing it up specifically in relation to the ice cream is nonsense because men being in control has nothing to do with the quality of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. What I mean is that a system where we equate someone's wellness to their ability to earn money. To contribute money. to society, yeah. Contribute financially to society, I should say. Is not a humanistic approach towards wellness. Absolutely. And I'm not actually suggesting that I know a better system of measuring. <laughs> pretty sure you were suggesting that, I'm just that, saying... SK. Pretty that... sure you said, now let me get to my main point, which is the solution <laughs> that is so easy and obvious that everyone will like listen to this podcast and then implement it straight away. Go on. Sorry, I want to hear the solution. <laughs> actually, no, I thought about... <laughs> We oh, were you doing... got one. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Some friends and I were doing a Q&A, which is a very simple game where one person asks a question and everyone answers, and then the next person asks a question. Is that even a very game? Very easy. <laughs> you can play it with your friends. It's very fun. <laughs> you, can even, you can even get on Twitter, hashtag Q&A. Sometimes I play this game called Conversation, where I <laughs> yeah. say something, no, and the other but person it's like... says something, and then back and forth until No, but done. it's like very structured. It's very structured. It's much more structured than a normal conversation. Anyway, the question was, what's one thing that you would change about the world? And basically everyone said some element Copyright of human, human psychology. Ah, so close. I said, what did I say? Wait, human psychology? Yeah. They would change humans? Yeah. Oh, my God. So one thing that we said was, my understanding is that evolutionarily speaking... I'm so uncomfortable with this. Because of the way that that humans have evolved in in small groups we ha we are very bad at organizing ourselves large scale yeah this is coming from your work in a, in a big corporation <laughs> yeah but just everything just the whole world life i don't think i work for a corporation we anyway did a whole podcast where you're like i work for a big organization with tens of yeah. thousands of people that is that a corporation Yes. Okay, I get confused about that language. I just actually spent most of the day today on the phone with my lawyer, learning what the corporation was, and then researching stock market stuff. And not not for my company, just because I was like, how does the stock market work? I was meant to be doing work today, and I spent a full hour chatting with my sister on Slack about exactly how the stock market works. <laughs> okay. I would like to know that, but not right now. So one was like, change human psychology so that we can better work in large groups, like really big groups. And another one was, do you know that quote, like, so much good could be done if nobody cared who got the credit? No, that's a good quote, though. So it's basically that. Some way so that people cared less about getting credit, which is, I have no idea how that would happen, but no, that would be these great. Are, these are not possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are just ideas. When I, when I heard that question, how would you change the world? I was like, oh, okay, maybe this law or this law. And so to hear answers of like, Humans are broken. I'm like, whoa. I, I, I understand that. I guess I abstractly understand that urge, but that's just so far from helpful that I'm like, why would anyone waste time on that? That's, that's harsher uh, than I meant it to be. But like, sure. I think a lot about how I would change the world for the best. And it's never like, well, make all humans do this because that, that's, that's not going to happen. Like, Well, this was this... We're allowed to have abstract conversations in our Q&A, Peter. I'm pretty sure it's against the very strict rules of Q&A. <laughs> the new game out from Hasbro. <laughs> Play it with your family. Anyway, all of this comes back to the first thing that you asked me, which is basically about class. <laughs> 
You they, like we accidentally came full circle. We, we've got two missed topics on the way. Do you want me to let you know what they are? Sure. What are they? So first one was this book. Oh, yeah. So the thing that I was going to say about that book is that they've done some research that people with mild depression, that's how we went on that tangent, have this thing that they coined depressive realism, a more accurate at predicting what's going to happen, choosing better employees, stuff like that. Does that make okay. sense? Yep. So he was trying to look at what they're more pessimistic be... in a sense. That's not meant to sound rude. I or... mean, comparatively, but they're also more accurate. Right, but I'm saying they're more accurate because they're more likely to be pessimistic. Yeah, but that pessimism is is relative to other people's optimism. Yes. Does that make sense? Their optimism is inaccurate. Right. I'm not saying pessimistic compared to reality. I'm saying pessimistic comparatively. Yes, sure. Yeah. Um, what is that sound? Is that an aeroplane? Is it on my end or yours? It's totally on your end. Oh, it's definitely an aeroplane okay. on mine. And I find this I find this really interesting when we think about how things get done with humans because we need optimism to get anything done. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Like as as a very 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 optimistic person, <laughs> you do not have to sell me on that point. <laughs> you can get a lot done by being inaccurate. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Just blindly charging forward and, and not really understanding how the world works. Yeah. Anyway, what was the other topic? The other one was your partner's friend, Helen. And then I started clicking and we went on a massive tangent from that. Oh, that's right. Oh, they were just saying that they didn't think that I should... Oh, what the hell? Are you entertaining flies again? Wow. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, no, I've lost it. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just saying they don't think that I should should stay in mental health. Uh, as a career? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I can see that. What do you think? Yeah. It's something that I'm passionate about, but I have a lot of skin in the game. Mm. What, what would you do? What would I do? You could become a super organism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I suppose that's how people move through different industries, right? They're like, okay, I have been here. Hmm, maybe not here. The only way to find out what's right for you is to do stuff until you find out what's right for you. Wisdom from Peter. Can you please make a coffee table book? <laughs> it's weird to measure what is growing up. But one thing that I'm like, I am definitely more grown up than I was, is the fact that the way my brain works... I just want to make jokes all the time. Like it's it's not a it's not an offensive thing. I'm not like how can I offend people? I'm just like I hear stuff. Here's what it is. I hear stuff and my brain generates jokes. Sure. So no matter what I'm talking about, I think of quote unquote funny things to say. Can your brain also filter out which ones are bad? Like when are you going to develop that? <laughs> <laughs> uh for many, for a very long time, I used to just make those jokes whenever they popped into my head. I'd be like, there's a joke in my head. This is clearly the correct time to make that joke because it's there. And so my point is like, I think of these jokes all the time. So when you're talking about very serious, very like personal or deep, really deep shit. You're just making jokes. It's not like my brain is like, oh, serious time. My brain is still like, oh, there's a little joke. And I feel like I've grown up because I'm like, no brain, not the time to share that one. That'll just be a little <laughs> private laugh for you and me while we're talking about self-harm. Wait, and what was the joke that you thought up about self-harm? It was a dumb pun. That's the thing. Like, it's not like, ha-ha, punching down, punching down. 
Uh, I've sort of trained my brain not to make punching down jokes anymore, which is really handy because it means I can be funny without ever being a cunt. And nope, <laughs> not without ever being a cunt. Well, really like... being a cunt. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. And yeah, so for a lot of that conversation, I was very proud of myself for not making really dumb jokes in the middle of a serious conversation. Tell us about class. <laughs> I was just taking a moment to like try and appreciate that. Thank you. I actually genuinely appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate your effort to appreciate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a good friend. <laughs> so class. Class is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because basically I've been trying to find a house with my sister and realizing that we're in different sort of classes now. This sounds like a long conversation. Yeah, it kind of is a long conversation. The way you brought it up was like, well, actually, that wraps us up with talking about class. And I was like, great, because we're at the end of the oh, podcast. No, no, no. I was, it was not going to be a wrap-up. Well, we'll have to save that one for next time. Sure. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation about superorganisms, self-harm, and... <laughs> Entertaining flies? What else did we talk about? I don't know. Did we talk about your awful jokes this time? We did. I think that was definitely covered at some point. Since we record these weeks in advance, in one of the older podcasts, I was like, no one ever emails me. I've gotten like six emails or ten emails in the last week. So thank you very much to all the people who have emailed me. Oh, really? What did they say? One was from the person who's doing our outro. So we'll listen to the outro and then we'll discuss the email. Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast... Subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and tell your friends. Peter is my favourite son. That was Rowan, who is the younger brother of Brendan, one of our previous uh, outro submitters. Oh, right! And Rowan sent me this lovely email, which uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from, because I thought it was super nice. Rowan says, I just heard you talking on the podcast about struggling with social cues. The other night, I went to my girlfriend's house for dinner for the first time. Oh boy, what's the time? Her dad asked after dessert. Her mother recited the time through a yawn. My girlfriend said, Oh yeah, I'm feeling pretty tired because of all that stuff we did this morning. The conversation revolved around how tired the family was for five more minutes, and I still didn't realise it was time to leave. I was eventually coaxed out of the door in the politest way possible. Anyway, this is some personal fan mail for you to say thanks for saying we shouldn't judge people who miss social cues. No. I thought that was a fun story, worthy of sharing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we're having the conversation about the podcast on SJ's Facebook page, facebook.com slash Honor Eastley, linked to in the show notes. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review. We've already done that. It's in the outro now. <laughs> it's, it's like, always been in the outro. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a mailing list. You can subscribe to that by going to beinghonestwithmakes.com, clicking mailing list. And if you subscribe to the mailing list, you get bonus podcasts. We do a warm-up every two weeks, and we've got, like, a bonus episode that's only available through the mailing list. And the mailing list is super fun, and we're getting up to some good numbers subscribed to it. So join in. How many people are there now? 60. Woohoo! That that feels like a good number. I feel like when we hit triple figures, then wow. Wow. That's the dream. That's all from us. Anything you want to say, Astra, to to close up? No. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Bye-bye.